reluctantly crouched at the starting line. Engines pumping and thumping in time. The green light flashes, the flags go up. Churning and burning, they yearn for the cup. They deftly maneuver and muscle for rank. Fuel burning fast on an empty tank. Reckless and wild, they pour through the turns. Their prowess is potent and secretly stern. As they speed through the finish, the flags go down. The fans get up and they get out of town. The arena is empty, except for one man still driving and striving as fast as he can. The sun has gone down and the moon has come up. And long ago, somebody left with the cup. But he's driving and striving and hugging the turns and thinking of someone for whom he still burns. He's going the distance. He's going for speed. She's all alone. Welcome to Talking Giants presented by John Boy Media. I'm your host, Bobby Skinner, here with my co-host, Justin Pennick, And we have a mailbag podcast, last formal mailbag of the uh, this season. And then when the offseason starts, it's once a month. We got something a little different for the Wednesday show next week. Justin, how are you doing? We clinched. That still feels good. We did it. Yes, we did. Hello, Patreon. Hello, Bobby Skinner. Hello, everybody. Listening, the, approaching this weekend is kind of a weird one, right? Because the Giants have an irrelevant game. Is it relevant? Does it mean something? Is momentum a thing? Is momentum important? What do you do? Who do you rest? But the Giants do have momentum, especially on the offensive side of the ball, which is fun. And we're going to talk a lot about that on today's mailbag. And I'm feeling good. How are you? Very good. Very good. And, and there were some good questions this week. I, I actually had to cut out questions that I wanted to hit on this on this one. So very excited for uh, content these next couple of weeks and just the Giants more so than anything. Um, and it just, again, we I, I want to repeat what we start, said at the start of the, the, re, the recap podcast before we get into the mailbag. We knew we'd beat the Colts because their offense couldn't hang, but it's nice to clinch the playoffs when your offense plays like that. It demolished you know? them. And, and and Daniel Jones plays like that, and there's some momentum with Daniel Jones. And again, like we said, and we all said on the Monday pods, like I'm excited to see that guy in the playoffs. Like more so than anybody else, I'm excited to see that guy in the playoffs. Um, we're not. Go- I'm not going into these playoffs being like, can we win with Daniel Jones? It's like, hey, this is a team that doesn't have a lot of talent, but I'm excited to see that guy. So, uh, yeah, I'm very excited. And last for week's it. mailbag, I think you also said we're waiting for the big wow breakout game from the Giants offense like we didn't have that one that one game where we scored over 30 points like we thought that maybe we would get you know maybe two two or three of those this year where the offense would just go off 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 and we recognized that there would be some games towards the beginning of the season you know we recognized that the offense would be cold at times just because of talent deficiencies and we finally got that game where the offense went off they broke that 30 point barrier I could stop talking about it I could stop complaining about it uh Bobby Skinner Tell us who's bringing us this episode. I will, but uh, just we keep on repeating talking points. But it was a mailbag pod last week from uh, from Michael. I think it was Michael Ruisi who asked, like, they're like they're 11th in EPA. How are they 20th in points? It's like what he says, like they haven't had that breakout game that every right. single team has had, except for the Giants. They've just been completely efficient. Well, now they are. They aren't ranked 20th in points. They're ranked 14th in points. Oh, um, love it. You know, and then and then ninth in EPA now uh, per drop back and stuff. So. Uh, yeah, first, this episode was brought to you by a lot of special people. A lot, a lot, a lot. Dylan C., the C stands for champion. Jonathan Cowshed, he's in the shed. Kyle Burke, Trey Burke's brother. Matthew Trom, he's the bomb. 
Chris Ioko, I knew an Ioko. Thomas Page, turn the page to the playoffs. Lucas Ashenbrand, he's all for the brand. John George, he's Jeff George's brother. Phil Morin, not Phil Moron. Jo- Jason Rudozinski, Rizat Rigowski, Thomas R. Curie, he drives in Acura. Ian <laughs> Ernest, he's very earnest about the Talking Giants. Michael Marciano, Rocky Marciano's son. That actually could be true. Like, that wouldn't surprise me. Or grandson. Drew Miner, uh, he, but he's into the olders. Zach, just regular old Zach. Kevin Jordan, Brevin Jordan's brother. Ethan Bord, uh, Bordetsky, he's not boardless in the Talking Giants. Robert Corchado, uh, Manny Machado's brother. Ryan Chauncey, Chauncey Billups' son. Dan Muscato, I think you were a patron before, but you're back. Heston Chares, or at least I know you very well. Heston Chares, he's charring the, the grill. Will Cooper, Cooper Manning's brother. Neil Francese, Francesa, Tyler, Tyler with no name. Uh, C McCarthy 56 that's a username Dylan Dambroso damn this Patreon is going long Big Blue 47 Jacob Kleinberg Wes Steinberg's brother CR and Boyle Um, what's that 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 ugly lady that sung really well Anthony Mm. Schifano Greg Schiano's uh, brother and then Michael Skirbo, he's got scurvy Justin who are all these people my gosh that was that might be the longest uh, ever Bobby Skinner take a breath uh, and I, I, you said like don't make jokes between all of them, and I said, I well, I am going to make jokes for every single one now. Yeah, I, I did. You can't I, make these people leave out just because they joined all at one time. I know, I know. You, you love doing the exact opposite of things that I ask you to not do or do. Patreon.com slash Talking Giants. You know the place to be. I'll tell you what the the amount of people that we have in our chat right now that's watching this show that's reacting to you know what we're saying in our mailbag pod they get to hear it first before anybody else they got the, the w- most frustrated pre-show bobby in a long time today too yeah yeah there was some there were some tech things that were that were going wrong for for bobby skinner but i will say the amount of people that are in this chat right now because our patreon community is growing so strong that that used to match how many people would be like in our post game streams a couple months ago, which is so so awesome. So join a pretty incredible community of Giants fans. Bobby Skinner will send you some stickers, magnets. There's some shirt raffles too. Um, you can obviously watch us while we record the shows. Patreon.com/slash Talk Giants. Thanks to our patrons. All right, take it away, Steve. Mail time. Fails. It makes me want to wag my tail. When it comes, I want to wail. Thanks, Steve from Blues Clues. Justin, let's get into the mail. First question is coming from Doug Analytics at Doug underscore analytics. With the wide receivers all around league average separation, how impressive how impressive is it that their catch rate is at the top of the league relative to their average depth of target how would you rank the influence of their catch rate between the wide receiver jones and scheme doug included a graph as well that basically just summarizes that each of the giant skill position players amongst tight end and wide receiver so i guess the main ones are hodgins richie james darius slayton and daniel bellinger even though some of those guys like hey bellinger has a low average depth of target slayton has a lower average depth of target compared to the rest of his career even though their average depth of targets are somewhat low, Slayton being the highest, they are above 
average, they have an above average catch rate compared to other players that have a similar average depth of target, which is pretty impressive. And I, I got, I've got, you know, that basically turning that graph into, uh, you know, words for, from Doug Analytics, which was a great graph. Uh, I tried to do that. Did I not do it well? Well, I just, for each for each individual player. So, Talk about it. It's like, okay, look, well, the Giants receivers have high catch rates, or at least the ones that are playing now and been playing for the last five, six weeks. Um, and it's like, well, and they have low average depth with target, you know, so it's, it's not that impressive. It makes sense, right? Okay. Richie James, 81.4% catch rate. Uh, with guys who have an average depth with target of six yards or more, he has the highest in the NFL. So guys around, so just highest in the NFL for anybody with six or more yards. Isaiah Hodgins, 78.5% uh, catch rate. He has the highest average depth of target with guys with eight or more or more yards uh, with that average. Like So if anyone who's averaging eight or more yards per depth of target, uh, he uh, has the most. Darius Slayton. So I put out the I put out like their catch rates for the receivers and everyone's like Darius Slayton oh my gosh because he's at he's at sixty four point seven percent he's like fifteen points off these guys right well with NFL wide receivers tight ends who have an average depth of target of twelve yards or more which is deep down the field there's not a, there's the majority of the NFL does not fall into this category Darius Slayton is fourth highest fourth highest with his yep. 64.7 catch rate and then bellinger's average depth of targets very low but he just has he has the second highest catch rate in the nfl with guys with over 30 targets so it's to me we've said it before it is mostly a product of daniel jones now the scheme definitely helps it's this you know timing but daniel jones is running that scheme perfectly one he just doesn't miss guys accuracy wise just where he's putting the football he'll have some throws that aren't like perfectly out in front of the way but for the most part he is not missing guys and then the other one is just he's has great timing and com uh, command of this offense yes yes but that's exactly what i was gonna talk about so i, I also looked at uh, some advanced passing stats on pro football reference for for Daniel Jones as well. And I came away with basically this this premise. Jones has a scheme that is much better than what he's had throughout his entire career. And Daniel Jones himself is performing better in that scheme. Um, and I want to talk about like Daniel Jones's on target percentage, according to pro football reference. It's 81 this year his previous best was 2021 at 76.1% that's 5% higher and then something that I think is and that'll just, go up because that doesn't update till tomorrow right and if something that's just as important if not even a little bit more important is Daniel Jones's bad throw percentage which last year it, it was a career high 18.4% this year it's down to 12.2% 2019, that bad throw percentage was 17.9, 17.6% in 2020, respectively. So all hovering around that 18% range. This year, it's down to 12% and is on target rate 5% higher than basically every single year of his career um, with 81% this year. So he really is operating very, very well in his offense and in this offense. And something that I also wanted to look at, too, is I wanted to look at his time in the pocket versus his time to throw. So Daniel Jones's time in the pocket is the same as previous years, despite his time to throw being higher than ever. So similar to exactly what Bobby just said about kind of having command of the offense, Jones is operating efficiently and getting the ball out, out on time and in rhythm, but is also improvising and extending plays 
when he needs to as well. There is a balance between both of those things of operating in rhythm, on schedule in the offense, and doing some of the improvisation stuff that he has not done in the past. Yeah, and that's been like the biggest improvement this season for Daniel Jones. It is like improv, not not manipulating the pocket, but being being more of a playmaker, kind of some, you know, quote unquote backyard stuff. Uh, and Darius Slayton made a really good point uh, after the game where he talked about it's like we kind of know our roles as receivers. Where he's like, I am like, hey, when DJ's escaping from the pocket, I'm the like, you know. Let's go. Let's let's you know try and make a play deep. You know, get in space. Richie James is very much like the you know get a guy going one way and then sit and 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 make you know make yourself open. And then Hodgins is just kind of like the you know that the route runner. He just runs his route cleanly. You know, he's good on timing, makes some tough catches. So uh, and and then just finding holes in the red zone. So he's like we've we've they've put an emphasis on that, which that was never. Even with Pat Shermer, there was that was never a coaching emphasis. No. Was making plays outside of you know like you know when you're run basically running around in the pocket yeah off script. All, you know, off script plays and he's definitely improved in that a ton uh i would like to see some more big not not in this past game but there was like a game the week before versus the vikings where it's like he broke he broke out of the pocket i feel like he could have fired one in for slayton you know it wasn't like a all oh, this is like a throw he can't make it was like this is a throw jared got any qb can make uh, and he just didn't pull the trigger on it uh, he was, I think he was looking for Richie coming across the side, but nonetheless, like I, th- I would like to see some more of those. But yeah, he's he is the scheme obviously helps all these receivers ton- a ton too, like no doubt. But Daniel Jones' command, his accuracy, is why they are the essentially the best at their average depths of targets, respectively. Again, yeah, actually having three receivers like the the set of receivers that he's been working with now, Slayton, he's been working with. Re- relatively almost for the majority of the season when they actually decided to play him after they traded Tony and they eventually you know benched Galladay, they benched David Sills. Um, and then after the acquisition of Hodgins and then Richie James has kind of played on and off all year with Wanda Robinson being in and out of the lineup. So it's really cool now. And I think what's really beneficial is that Daniel Jones has had three primary receivers plus also a tight end that has been consistently here reliable for Daniel Jones too and that leads Bobby unless you have something else to say about this question that leads to our next question well one more thing I just want to make the point like when I say Richie James 81.4 percent Isaiah Hodgins 79 percent Slayton almost 65 percent Bellinger 86 like don't let those numbers just go over your head like th- those are insanely high numbers yes for over a consistent basis like that, that those are insane numbers that should not be overlooked like that that's crazy. So, all right, next question. It is. It, it really is. And even, you know, you you look at Darius Slayton, you know, oh, 64.8% catch rate. Well, 2019 was his career best at 57.1%, 52.1% in 2020, and then 44.8% catch rate in 2021. Well, that was from, but yeah. Is he, is he not being targeted as deep as he was in some of his former years? Yes, but still. Darius Slayton is not a checkdown is not a checkdown option in this Giants offense. So the fact that his catch rate is near, you know, is near. He catches two out of every three balls nearly. Uh, that's super super impressive. Um, but yeah, let's 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 go to the let's go to the next question. Chris at Chris underscore NYY twenty eight. Can you talk about the change Brian Dable made a few weeks ago when he basically went exclusively to eleven personnel? On offense, looking at snap counts, it feels like the Giants have almost abandoned three tight end sets and have basically been running with one tight end 
most plays. Bobby, I have a decent amount to say on this with stats. Um, if you want me to take this, I could take it first, or do you want to take it first? I will say – you say your stats, and I'll back it up, actually. Yeah, so uh, I I finally – and thanks to Doug Analytics, I finally just DM'd him. And I said, can you please just send me something that tracks personal grouping frequency week by week? So either I didn't have to text Bobby if he, if he were to track it or I didn't have to go crazy trying to track it myself. So Doug Analytics sent me a site. So I finally did this. I finally just you know wrote down you know their 11 personnel grouping and I tried to analyze it week by week. So the Giants out of 11 personnel weeks one through three, I didn't really find anything extremely significant. They, they ran it 70 to 82% of the time. Week four, the Chicago game, that was the wild, weird game where Daniel Jones got hurt and they like ran the ball in the second half and they were working out of the Wildcats. So that was so that was a weird game. The Giants did not have a positive EPA per play out of 11 personnel until week five versus the Packers. But even though, but even then, they only ran it 49% of the time. Ravens week six, 50, 56% of the time, solid, good results. Week seven versus the Jags, good results out of 11 personnel, 64% of the time. So usually where where Brian Dable and where a lot of NFL teams are landing on when they run out of 11 personnel, it is like that 66, 70, like 70% mark. Uh, Seven out of 10 times usually teams are running out of 11 personnel. But then after that, you know, during that Jags game, then Daniel Bellinger goes down. The Giants did line up at 11 personnel more than I thought that they would during Daniel Bellinger's absence, but the rotation at tight end between Lawrence Cager, Chris Myrick, and Tanner Hudson was very apparent, and they were relying on Lawrence Cager, who, Bobby, correct me if I'm wrong, Lawrence Cager was a convert from wide receiver, right? He's not a natural yeah. tight end. He hasn't played a snap since Bellinger's came back either, which is weird. So I feel like the Washington game is the real outlier in personal grouping frequency during the second during the second half stretch with Bellinger. So Daniel Bellinger comes back um and during that Washington game the tie the tie that they had they were running out of 11 personnel 48% of the time, 12 personnel 37%, 13 personnel 10% and they had very high pass rates out of both 11 personnel and 12 personnel that game. And, you know, that Washington tie game, you know, we talked. That we was broke the play. Down. We ripped Kafka after that. Game. Yeah, we we broke down how that game didn't make sense. They were running play action when it didn't make sense. Then Minnesota out of 11 personnel and the diversity of formations that the Giants ran really went down. Minnesota, they ran 86 percent of the time out of, out of 11 personnel. And the only and the only other two formations that they ran out of against Minnesota was 21 personnel and 12 personnel. That's it. And even in a mostly garbage time scenario versus the Colts, 81% out of 11 personnel this past week. So moral of the story, I feel like the change to more 11 personnel has less to do with the actual frequency it's being run, but what they are doing out of it by throwing on early downs, but also asking Daniel Bellinger to do more and do more in key spots. So it's not the fact that the Giants have been running 11 personnel more because I don't really think that's what the stats say, but they're utilizing the strengths of 11 personnel more on early downs, and Daniel Bellinger being back has been key. Do you agree with that? Bellinger has definitely been key in coming back, and they've used him in some fullback spots, which we have a question about later. We do. But really what I think it is, too, is they just have put the offense in Daniel Jones' hands. They've stopped the play action, like I, and part of that comes from not lining up in the heavy tight ends, you know, under center stuff, and... Saquon 
is getting less than 15 carries per game these last few weeks where he was getting 20 carries per game before that. Uh, Daniel Jones is throwing the ball five more times a game. They are just working the shotgun quick uh, quick game passing, like sp- just spreading out the field and letting DJ go and manipulate the pocket. Like they have truly put this offense in Daniel Jones's hands where they are running when it makes sense. And you can see that in the amount of times that Saquon Barkley carries the ball. And you can see it on Daniel Jones' early down throw rates. And so one of the uh, the the one of the like the pushbacks when we were ripping Kafka after that Commanders game, like they need to put this game in Daniel uh, this offense in Daniel Jones' hands, all that stuff, right? Like people are like, well, they can't trust the O line, right, Justin? They can't trust the O line, and we said that is bullshit. That is total garbage. Because guess what? When you throw the ball on first down and pressure's getting to you, you can check down. You can throw the you can have DJ run for four yards. Using the pass game as an extension of the running game for the sake of avoiding third and long, which is the worst spot you can put your offensive line in. Guess what? Our sacks the last three games. Zero. Three. Zero. Mm-hmm. We've had two zero sack games in the last three games. You know how many we had before that? Zero. So DJ is manipulating the pocket. He's avoiding sacks, using his legs to run or using his legs to throw. And, you know, they've also added, you know, Saquon, you know, like they've put a little more emphasis like, hey, don't be afraid to check it to Saquon, get him out in the flats, let him, you know, get seven, eight yards. Uh, And then, you know, sometimes it'll turn into a 20 yard play. It did that, you know, that happened versus the commanders. I have some more stats on early on early down stuff. So, again, the the I feel like we we even talked about it, too. And I and I and I talked about it without doing the research to back it up, you know, where I was like, oh, I feel like Dable's doing more 11 personnel, more 11 personnel. I don't necessarily feel like he's doing more 11 personnel after looking at the personnel grouping frequency. It's again, you're just maximizing what you can do out of 11 personnel. And it's especially being felt on early downs. So weeks 10 to 14 during that Giants losing slash tie stretch, the Giants had a 46% pass rate on first and second down in non-garbage time situations. Weeks 15 to 17, the Giants have a 54% pass rate on first and second down in non-garbage situations. So that's almost a 10% increase. Since the changes, Jones has been one of the more efficient QBs on early downs. Plus, the running game has improved. And I did that by looking at EPA tiers, looking at it from two weeks 10 to 14, 15 to 17 on first and second down. I was shocked to see, Bobby, just how efficient the running game has been on an EPA basis, which again, EPA isn't necessarily centered around volume. It's just centered around production. How are you, you know, what plays are you running that are going to eventually and inevitably lead to putting points on the board? The Giants rushing offense has been more efficient during this week 15 to 17 stretch, at least compared to the rest of the National Football League. They've been a better running team on early downs than throwing the ball, but that's because I think the pass is is inevitably setting up the run. They're not relying on their running game being successful by simply just giving it volume, volume, volume. They're allowing it to be efficient. They're running it when it makes sense. You always break down Saquon Barkley running versus light boxes and heavy boxes. I think the fact that they're utilizing 11 personnel, they're throwing out of it. They're throwing out of it. Daniel Bellinger is another reliable target that they have as well. That has really changed the way that this offense has really operated um, these last couple weeks. 
Yeah. Um, and again, they've been getting the ability to run versus light boxes. When you get in this heavy stuff, teams just kind of stack up on you and, you know, they're not afraid of tight ends. Yeah. Like, so like these past three weeks, they've been ninth and rushing EPA. Let's look at that, like little, that lull between there. I'm pulling up. I'm doing the little, the little thing. They were, and that part of that is Daniel Jones too. But before that, they, that, that, that four game stretch before that, they were 24th in EPA, uh, running the ball. Yeah. Um, you know, and then let's, I've said let's for a it. long time that the pass sets up the run, and I don't know if anybody's called me crazy, but I know the age old, the age old adage is that how the, is that how that phrase works? I know the the common phrase is the run sets up the pass, and I just I just just based on my eyes and based on how I think the game of football works, I really I really don't think that's the case unless you're a team like the titans or the ravens or the 49ers that can kind of just run that can kind of just run the ball at will i think having an efficient pass game can very much help set up the run game well i want to just look at the passing epa for the last three weeks and doug analytics also uh, looked up tonight the giants have the sixth highest pass rate over expected since week 15 and they had a very very low pass rate over expectation um before that, you know, basically just for the for the entire season. This is the Kafka and the Dable that I wanted to see from kind of they're, they're kind of week one. Yeah, they've they've made like real adjustments. So maybe they were hiding it. Yeah, everybody says, "Oh, they're hiding it. They're hiding it." Maybe they were hiding it. That's not that's not real life. Maybe it is real life. Brian Dable did some wacky stuff over training camp. We're going to talk about that too. Yeah. Um. I'm gonna. All right, just go to the next question. I just go to the next question. Yeah, we we spent. I I these are conversations that I love. Kind of marrying the film, marrying the stats. I I love it. So Matt Chester, this is the next question. Matt Chester, just a mini pat on the back. Like we kind of said, this is what they need to do. They've done it, and it's worked really well. Yeah. Matt Chester at cheat zero Chester with the Giants making you know ball. All right, next. Go ahead. With the Giants making the playoffs and what would be a rebuild year, what kind of bar does that set for the 2023-2024 season? This is a great question. This is a tough question. I don't even know, man, but we'll talk about it. We got to give an answer. Yeah, we'll we'll go quick. They still need a ton of talent, but... Looks like DJ's going to be back. I think Saquon's going to be back. That's That's what it really depends on, because... Remember, I mean, year one, uh, Brandon Bean with the Buffalo Bills, you know, they make the playoffs and then they have a low year. You know, they draft Josh Allen. So it really does depend on what they want to do with some of these, you know, quote unquote, what we're hoping, what can be, if Joe Shane views it that way, cornerstone pieces of the franchise, right? With Saquon Barkley, Daniel Jones, you know, do you view those guys like that or not? It really does depend what they do with those guys. I, I, I really don't feel... Like just from a non-biased, trying to take my fan cap off here for a second, I don't feel Joe Shane owes Daniel Jones anything. He doesn't owe him anything, but that would still suck if they can't find a way to bring Daniel Jones back on some sort of deal that makes sense for for all sides involved. At the beginning of the season, this uh, this situation was comparable to the Bills that year where they started Taylor, they made the playoffs. They also benched Taylor that year, by the way. People forget yeah. they benched for Nathan yeah. Peterman. And GJ is just a better t- uh, quarterback, obviously, than Taylor. Which, by uh, the way, I-, I wrote down in my notes here, take the L on having such a low chance of Saquon Barkley and Daniel Jones being back. 
both of us, Bobby, we we said I I think there's like a ten to maybe twenty five percent chance that Daniel Jones that Daniel Jones comes back. I'm I'm holding I'm holding my tongue on on Saquon Barkley right now, but that is a major major L for both of us. I mean, I'll, and especially I'll say I'll say me. I don't fully well, they remember declined what you were his saying. option. They they basically said we don't want you back. But I know people like Research Rick were still, you know, we and we we respect people like Research Rick, you know, respected listeners of ours were like, that's kind of low, guys. Like, you know, and and it's funny, we we were expecting I I was expecting the Giants to really improve this year. I was expecting them to get eight, nine wins and maybe get into the playoffs. And I still put it at such a low chance that Daniel Jones could be back next year. So that was kind of a major L for me. I'll, I'll admit it. Well, they declined his option and they backloaded Tyrod Taylor's contract. All the yeah. writing was on the wall that it was time that he was going. We I mean, we got told from people who work in the building, Justin, that like he's probably he's not going to be here next year, most likely. All right, next question. Next, I, I don't think we question. gave an answer, but is it? I guess it's the is it the playoffs, right? I think the answer is it depends on what they do at. Uh, Really, quarterback. I'm not going to say. Running. I would I'm assume sorry. that they bring Daniel Jones back, and if they obviously if they don't bring back Daniel Jones, but if they bring Daniel Jones back, I think the bar should be the playoffs. Like you do well with some. You got to get whatever free agency you do. You don't need to go be big spenders, but get those decisions right. Have guys like Evan Neal develop into year two. Uh, other guys and another draft. So, yeah. and again, when it comes to when it comes to Saquon Barkley, I am a wholehearted believer in. You build uh, an offense if you want to build it around uh, a running game. That you build it around the running game and not the running back. So we'll uh, we'll see how they how they do that with with Saquon Barkley. Brandon Voss at Brandon Voss seventy five. What do you expect able to do with the usual starters and guys close to returning from injury? I don't know if I'm buying the whole every game matters in this scenario. Where are we at, Bobby? So logically, I say sit players. But emotionally, I'm like, you know what? We're not the number one seed sitting our players, right? We're not. We are the number six seed New York Giants who shouldn't or quote unquote not supposed to be here. So why not? When you're playing the Eagles, you got a chance to spoil them. Why not just go and play these guys? Like I'm, and like guys like Adora Jackson, Xavier McKinney need to play. You know, so you're gonna right. have to play some like key players. Uh, now, obviously, I think you should rest. Saquon, maybe Saquon, maybe you, you, you use Saquon sparingly. Yeah, I'm, I'm using Zizo him sparingly. Delay, Williams. I'm not. I'm not sitting. I'm not sitting Saquon. I'm using him sparingly. Um, if you don't sit Andrew Thomas, which by the way, um, I, d- these guys are such warriors, man. This even includes like Evan Neal. E- Evan Neal, you know, struggling, you know, but we see him like hold, holding his arm in, in pain throughout weeks, and you know, there's there's speculation. I don't know if it's fans or reporters about you know, hey, he could he still could be dealing with that MCL and that knee injury. These guys are warriors, and I feel like every single player at the, at this time of the year is struggling with something. Uh, my buddy David Powis and I, we saw Andrew Thomas getting up kind of slow this this past Sunday. I mean, I feel like... He does it, that all the time. Where I, so, I, I got worried earlier in the year, I've noticed that he does that all the time now. So, I mean, if you're not... But the moral of the story is, is if you're going to play Andrew Thomas, or if you're, excuse me, if you're going to sit Andrew Thomas, then you have to sit Daniel Jones. And I think if you're going to play Andrew Thomas, then I think you should play you should play Daniel Jones. The only guys that I'm putting in the this guy should be resting category is Leonard Williams and Aziz Ojolari. The two guys that have come back from injuries and then they have missed games 
if those guys need to sit and if those guys need to get healthy, sit them. The rest of the guys, either they should be on some sort of pitch counts, treat it like it's a preseason game, or they just should be full tilt, ready to go, ready to rock and roll. Play Nick Gates at center for the hell of it. And there's, there is something to be said about just like, like culture and and like just playing, like playing to go beat the Eagles. Like we're Giants not going to roll Giants don't win that Super Eagles. Bowl in 2007 if Tom Clawson does not play those starters week 17 and they go toe-to-toe with the greatest regular season team of all time. And again, like if someone gets hurt next week, I understand it's going to be like how – so I, you got you to gotta say what you think beforehand, but I am – I but I go back and forth on this one, man. I hate to flip flop on something like this, but I there are so many logical reasons not to play these guys. But it's just like you know the the football player and yeah, it's like just go out there and play. Like go go out there and play. Let's play the Eagles. Let's 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 spoil their number one seed. A guy getting hurt on Sunday, I guess would only be really, really painful if we know that they have injury issues that they're struggling with, number one. And then number two, I mean, if you if you put him in like a compromising situation like Dable did with the Dory. I mean, those are really like the two. Okay, what if Daniel Jones gets hurt on a read option? I mean, well, again, you're putting him in a compromising situation. But that's part of that's a part it of the game. Part of the game. Every it is week. it is part of the game. We want. I, I've been an advocate for running Daniel Jones these last couple of years because he needs that element of his game. It's tough, man. I'm glad I'm not making the decision, but I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with my guns, man. No, but man, do so. If it's a preseason game, then you bring in Tyrod Taylor in the second half. It's also how about this? It's also with the flow of the game. If the Eagles are winning by two touchdowns, pull guys, right? That's the, but if you're in the game, then be in the game. Okay, but that here's where I like that idea in theory, but and but in real life, it's like, all right, we're gonna go, we're gonna go out and play these guys. We're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna go, and it's like we're down by two touchdowns. Like, uh, actually, we we can't hang. Let's. Well, let's I think just, you. Well, I think you plan that out. I think you plan that out in the meeting. It's like if we, if hey, if, you know, starters, if you want to be in this freaking game, then be in the game then you got to make sure that it's a game situation that you're playing for the game. But if you're not in the game, you're going to get your ass pulled. I think that that could be a situation that it's said and it's outlined in the meeting, right? Yeah, I guess that's true. That's true. That's a good point. One, That's actually a really good counterpoint, and I have no answer for it. Mm. Um, so I just changed that. my mind. All right, let's go. Next question. Next question. Uh, do we want to do – how about we do an ad read? Let's do an ad read. That's what people have been asking for, actually. that's They're yeah. like, next question is like, can you do an ad read? Not enough ad reads on Talking Giants. We're going to do an ad read. Uh, so this ad read is going to be for us. Very self-serving ad read. But come to our event, Mr. Purple. So we have sold more tickets than I thought we would sell at this point, Justin. I, I agree. Uh, we don't I'm have an you. official cap, but... There was like okay, so we had a we had a minimum goal like this is like what we need to get for this not to be a failure. We've gotten to that goal. Maybe I shouldn't say this in this app, but but now so I know some people are waiting to see what day the game is, and I totally get that. I totally yep. understand that. But here's the thing: it's a New York Giants playoff game. Clear your schedule, no matter what. Clear your schedule and come out to Mister Purple in New York 
city the 14th floor we're gonna have a live show uh you know a watch party out there uh it's gonna be fun me and justin will be on the mic um if you're a john boy media fan there's gonna be some john boy media people there jake is having his bachelor party i talked to him today and he's like i have 30 friends coming in for it maybe we'll stop by which is like oh wow okay and um i was like okay but I was like, I was like, first I was just like, that's a very, that's a lot of people. Like, I was like, are you lying to me right now about this? Um, Jake isn't going anywhere for his bachelor party. New York City. Uh, he lives there. Thirty people, man. Um, so, so come out. I, th- I think if you are a, if you are part of like the Talking Giants family, you know, you're not like a, just a casual listener. If you're part of the Talking Giants family, this is our first event like this. I think you you're not going to want to miss it if you're able historic to get event. There. It really is a historic event. Historic his, history. Uh, so and Mr. Purple is is a is a pretty cool place. We've pretty heard, dope so. place. The link is in our description if you want to buy tickets. That's where the link is in the description in the twenty show bucks notes. cheap too. Cheap, cheap. We'll you'll be glad you did. You know what? <laughs> never it's never meant more than it did. Now you'll be glad you did. You'll be glad you did. All right. Next question is coming from. All right. You're ready for this. S with the Chinese character of the number three. So that's San. E-R San. That's number three in Chinese. That's what it looks like. I don't know if that's actually what it is, but that's what it looks like. So it's S, the Chinese character for three. C-R, the Chinese character for three. And then T, that key value pair. I got a key value pair down below. You know what I mean? Landon Collins has been putting together a, le- a legit highlight reel since coming home. It seems Talking Giants consensus. It seems like the Talking Giants consensus is he'll remain a role player. But between the past breakups, the pick six, the sacks, the third down stops, feel like that role has to expand. How much responsibility can he handle, Bobby Skinner? So part of me is like, just put him in for Mike McFadden, right? Like, he can play that role just as well as Mike McFadden and probably better. I'm not better. there yet. But here's the thing. I think I'm fine with him just playing in the... He's playing a lot of snaps, too. It's not like he's not. It's, he's getting eight snaps a game, like, you know, Tony Jefferson was the first couple games of the year. He's getting a ton of snaps, like 50%. So I kind of... I'm happy with what his role is. Just let him focus on that role and do his best instead of having to worry about run fits on first down. Yep. And so, like, yep. I, 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 I would love to see it. You know, and I and I do think he can do Mick, Mike McFadden's job better than Mike McFadden, um, but I I think it's just like you know what, let's keep him in this role because he's doing it well and he's making impact plays doing it. So why change it up? Yeah, again, I don't think Landon Collins is ready to be a straight up linebacker, especially when you talk about running downs. When when offensive linemen are going up from the you know from that first level to that secondary level. Um, I think especially if you have some athletic offense alignment like the Philadelphia Eagles have, I think they're looking their chops that they have an opportunity to just toss uh, a lighter dude like Landon Collins. But Landon Collins is a big dude for his safety. He's a strong dude, you know, physical guy, but he's not a linebacker. He just doesn't have the size and the strength of a linebacker. But I love the role, love the role of what he's been asked to do on throw on casual you know knowing knowingly throwing situations so these third downs where he's coming in here and he's defending these tight ends and he's playing in coverage and it's such an unexpected surprise to see how well he's doing in coverage and again this is you know you tip your cap to coaching because man did Washington hate Landon Collins for years and they literally asked him to change positions because he couldn't cover 
the Giants towards the you know latter part of his Giants tenure. People loved Landon Collins, but you know there were people that it really bugged him that he couldn't cover people. So again, this is credit to this coaching staff that it's taken a guy that nobody wanted on their team and took a practice squad player because that's what Landon Collins was, and they have turned him into a contributor down the stretch that even though he isn't getting 100% of the snaps, he is one of this defense's key contributors. Getting a, getting a sack against Washington, pretty sure there's like a tackle for loss thrown in there, key pass deflections against TJ Hawkinson in Minnesota, and getting a pick six against the Colts, all in this kind of late Giants playoff stretch here. Let's go, Landon. Next question. Next question. You were yawning there. Am, am I boring you? No, I'm just very tired. You're just very tired. Brian Porras at B Porras one. Um, he asks with new word of Brian Dable intentionally sabotaging. Whoa, that's a strong word. Sabotaging Daniel Jones at the beginning of fall camp as a test. Will this change how future camps are addressed by fans and or media? And then Jeff G at J Greg 15 S. Do you guys really believe the story of Brian Dable setting up Jones for failure in camp to see how he handled adversity? Smells like BS to me. Bobby Skinner. We have an excerpt written by Ty Dunn, uh, who wrote the the big the big multi part autopsy story on the Giants last year. Do you want me to read that uh that excerpt? Yeah, read it. All right. So, how do, exactly does a head coach go about building a team around tough minded individuals, as he likes to say? And again, this is Ty Dunn. Start at the position that will decide the fate of any team until the end of time. Into this 2022 season, the new regime stuck with Daniel Jones on a one-year trial basis. They declined his fifth-year option for 2023, but believed Jones was talented enough to be the starter in year one of a rebuild. Veteran Tyrod Taylor was added for insurance. The Giants were obviously choosing to punt this franchise-defining decision down the road, a fiscally smart maneuver considering fired GM Dave Gutterman left the roster in financial ruins. There was no need to annoy anyone, not yet, but Dable also knew this. He needed to test Jones's mental toughness. So when training camp began, he devised a plan as one source close to the coach explained. Dable purposely structured practice for Jones to fail and Taylor to succeed. He quote, he wanted Daniel Jones to deal with the adversity, end quote, this, the, this source explained. Quote, he wanted to see how he dealt with it on a daily basis, and he passed with flying colors. So I know he loves Daniel Jones. He loves Daniel Jones. He loves him, end quote. Practices are always scripted. Dable would tell defensive coordinator Wink Martindale which plays he'd be running when Jones was in the game, or I guess in practice, this source explains, and had called and had Martindale call defensive plays that intentionally work. And when Taylor entered, the exact opposite. Plays were scripted on both sides to set him up for success. Jones did not flinch, and Dable was thrilled. Okay. A lot to unpack with this from multiple yeah. layers, Justin. Here's the one thing I will say very confidently. The Jones, like for Tyrod Taylor to be an easier versus him for Jones, it was. We talked about it because we went to all those training camps. It was weird. And, well, here's where it's not that weird. It's like with the second team, it's like you kind of want to just practice the fundamentals. The starters, you want to like run your blitz packages, run all that stuff. Um, so we were off- begging Wink Martindale to stop. We were like, let the offense operate for, for crying out loud. And it's like you can't game plan and stuff like that. So yeah. I don't know how much. I- so here's the thing. I think this could happen for a practice. 
maybe even two practices. And it's like, well, this is what all of training camp is like, you know? Um, but there's no – here's where I call a little bit of – and I would like to talk to Tyler Dunn about it. That's what I want to know. Like, how often did this happen? And, and like, who is telling you this? Is it someone who works for the Giants and media? Or is it, like, an assistant coach? Like, who's who's telling you this? I, I guess you can't ask him that. But that's my question. Is like, this because this could be one or two practices that this happened. And I can 100% see that happening. But the idea that the Giants offense is just, like, we're going to spend – two weeks of just sucking on offense. Right. And there were certain practices where I remember us saying, hey, this this defense has got to, they got to relax. And then there were some practices where the offense started to improve and the Giants started to run the ball in, in training camp too. So I guess I, I want to, we'll, we'll touch on that, that the Jeff's question. Or was it, no, it was Brian Porras. Brian Porras asked if this is going to change the way that we evaluate camp. For me, no, it's it's because not, we didn't it's not go. So we weren't lo- we didn't go into these camps and come out of them all salacious like this is this is this this like we'd have fun when the Giants' offense was doing well, right? But like we didn't come from these practices going like this offense is screwed. We talked about how bad it was, why it was bad, yeah. but we observe didn't. and report, observe and report. That's what those that's what those live streams and those practices are. Are really for and that observing and that reporting is key. It really, it really is key. So I, I don't, I don't know what exactly to think of that story. Uh, but that the one thing I will say for sure is like they just ran very bland defenses versus versus Tyrod Taylor on the second team, and Tyrod did look really good in camp. Um, you know, uh, but it's like okay, you want the second team just working on fundamentals. Um, but so part I, of me I, loves I, part of me loves like what Dable did there because that. That's the kind of stuff where, you know, the Giants. Let, let's let's just say ten years from now, Giants Giants been a Super Bowl or two, right? In this in this wonderful world, in this wonderful hypothetical world that we live in, Giants been a Super Bowl or two. The legacy of Brian Dable and in those like America's Game movies and and crap like that, that's gonna be talked about. That'll be like not 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 scene one. It's the draft and everything like that. Them getting hired, Brian Dable with the Ford. But when they're talking about camp and they're talking about preparing for their first season, they're going to talk about how Brian Dable like did that like next level, like really not nah, almost uh, un- unconventional type of coaching to put a player in an uncomfortable situation. I could see that. Yeah. So I, I, I it's something I, I that's my question is like how often did this happen? Because I could see this happening, but I don't think they went two weeks of of this every single day. Like they, you have to install your offense and you want to do it well. Um, but Brian, to Brian Poor's answer, how will this change? It means that every time the offense has a bad day or somebody has a bad day, that oh. is like it was on, it was on purpose. It was it's gonna it's gonna fuel training camps conspiracy theories forever. Remember with Jason Garrett, it was like, oh, they're hiding. Yeah, they're not. They're not running their real plays. It's like, yeah, they are. Like this is what they do. This is what a Jason Garrett offense is. Yeah, training camp um, conspiracy theories were already bad enough, and now they're only they're only going to get worse from here. And you know, us us trying to us trying to work hard and take notes and talk about it. Well, you we know. don't go salacious anyway, so it doesn't it doesn't make too much of a difference for us. No, but still, like we're we're gonna we're gonna be told. This doesn't matter. Why are you even doing this? Like, I don't care. Don't care what you have to say. I care about training camp. I care about practice. Training camp is very fun. It's fun All and right. it's important. 
Yes, it is very important. Next question. JJ Heindel at, at JJ Heindel. Why has the adjustment to Bellinger running routes out of the fullback position been so successful? Couple things. Uh, one is just the blocking. Like as a lead, like one, you get some momentum as a lead blocker. You can run some of those wham plays that I talked about on the film review. Also, like on that big Saquon, that 19 Saquon, 19 yard Saquon Barkley run, like Glowinski was able to just fire out and go to the linebacker and they brought Bellinger and they just cut Buckner with Bellinger. They've been know? doing that a lot. They, they've been basically letting defensive linemen kind of come free. So it allows the offensive linemen to move up to that secondary level. And, you know, Glowinski is a pretty athletic guy. So, uh, Bredesen's, you know, they're, they're pretty good, you know, moving up to that secondary level. And then I think it just Bellinger's been doing a good job of, crashing down on that defense alignment and then it allows space for Saquon Barkley. Have they been doing that kind of like these these last few weeks every now yeah, and then? Yeah, in different ways. And then the receiving aspect of it is as simple as when you are like a you when you are a tight end and you just start running, it's like okay, we got to cover him in his route. When you are lining up as a fullback and you start running forward, it's like okay, I got to take him on as a blocker and he's coming at full momentum. So when you're ready to take on somebody as a blocker and they slip past you, well, guess what? It's a lot harder to cover those guys and it leads to the big plays. You know, whether it's a safety, you know, rolling down or a linebacker, it's like you got to play you got to play that run element that he's coming at you to be a lead blocker in the run. It's like, nope, he's 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 going out to run a route, you know, and it just gives you more momentum as one. So it's it's not the most complex thing, but it is very cool. And it's been one of the only ways that they've targeted Daniel Bellinger down the field and kind of pass the sticks and not just as an intermediate target. That that Minnesota fumble really hurts because <laughs> that play is just so awesome. Uh, that play is so awesome. You know, came lining up a offset eye and then, you know, running running across the field and then getting like that. I think it was a 16-yard gain. And then this past weekend, he was lined up convention in a conventional eye formation right behind the quarterback and then the running back right behind him. And then he gets a 24-yard gain, which is a 20-plus yard gain. So then that's really awesome to see. So little nuances that Brian Dable and Mike Kafka have added to get a guy the ball that should be getting the ball more in this offense. Next question. Next question. Second to last question is coming from Tone Garcia at T underscore one TKO Sports. Give me the talking Giants road road to success. I know Bobby thinks the Cowboys are probably the worst matchup, but other than that, who would you guys like to see see or not see in the playoffs? I have a let's just go quickly, let's rank the opponents from worst the ones we'd least like to play that then to the ones we would like to play. So basically like the best opponent. But it, it can talk about matchups. So for number one for me, it is the Dallas Cowboys. I would put the Eagles number one. The reason it's the Cowboys for me is because I don't trust the Cowboys to succeed in the playoffs. But I expect the teams that are closer to them in talent to be the ones to do that. Where the Cowboys against the Giants just have a clear talent uh, advantage. Uh, and the things they do works well versus what the Giants struggle at. you know. And uh, So that's why the Cowboys – and I know they – listen, they hung with them that first half on yeah. Thanksgiving. So I, listen, I'm, I'm going into that game. I mean, look, let's win this damn game. But I think the Cowboys are just, uh, you know, even Adore Jackson's had like, like struggles with CeeDee Lamb. Yeah, without McKinney uh, too in that Thanksgiving game. So the Cowboys to me are are definitely number one. 
Yeah, Cowboys are not number one for me because I think the Giants would have a clear coaching advantage that game, and I'll take that clear coaching advantage in the playoffs. I'm not going to say that we win, but there's there's other teams that I am more fearful of facing in the playoffs. I think if I had to put – I think in my power ranking, I think I'm going to wind up having Dallas number three. So um, who's number two for you? The Eagles. Okay. Uh, number Just two for me so, is the – yeah, got They are so talented. Um, but here's why it gives here's why they're not number one. One, Jalen Hurts is battling an injury. So if like like that that's that matters. Lane Johnson battling an injury. Some key players, you know, and like Kayvon had a lot of success versus Mylotta. You put a Z's on their backup right tackle, and I think it's uh Driscoll. Uh you can have some success there. Uh and then Adore and McKinney being back for that game would mean a, a lot more than it would, I think, for the Dallas game. Because, like, you had that two-headed wide receiver type. All right, now we got to put a Dory on one of these cats. And and then you put, uh, you know, McKinney over there. Like, you know, that could have been a pick versus, versus Jalen Hurts. Uh, so th- that's why I have them, too. So I'm assuming you have the 49ers, too. I have the 49ers, too. Yeah. <laughs> the reason why I have the 49ers, three, is it's the 49ers defense that scares me. I think Kyle Shanahan's a better coach than Brian Dable, and that's not a slight to Brian Dable. It's just Kyle Shanahan. Kyle Shanahan will eat the Giants' defense alive, and in particular, he will eat our linebackers alive, 100%. Yeah, that's true, but they also have Brock Purdy, and Wink can play some man coverage and and blitz this guy and and give him some things that, like, they're – and I just – yeah, they have Daniel, Brock Purdy. They have Brock Purdy who will drop back nine times. <laughs> that's true, but I just, I just, the talent, the talent levels for those other two teams worried me more than playing Brock Purdy. It's like at least, at least you got like the Brock Purdy element. Yeah. I know he's been, I know he's played well for them, but the Brock Purdy element, like that, that to me changes things. All right, who are the who are the teams left here though? Because I'm for, I'm forgetting one team. There's there's Tampa Bay, there's Green Bay. Then who's the other team that I'm like forgetting in this mix? The Vikings. Oh, the Vikings. I have the Packers at four, the Vikings at five, the Bucks at six. I, I do you so do you I here's so we don't have to go crazy on this. Who do you who do you worry about more? The Packers or the Vikings? I worry about the Packers more. Oh, here he goes. He's sneezing. That's you. Three, five, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. I was not sneezing. Uh, the Packers is just one. The Aaron Rodgers effect. You and we had somewhat success. We had somewhat success versus Minnesota, and then you get a Dory back. I feel like that changes. But they a can. Lot but game. they can run the ball. I mean, and I, and I think maybe they'll learn. They'll learn in the second time around that hey, we should just run the ball on these guys. The Vikings? No. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought we were talking about the Packers. I'm sorry. Oh yeah, the Packers. I know we we beat the Packers, uh, but they are a better team than they were at that point. But they were three and one at that point too. So like their their downfall started with the Giants game. Uh, but here's the thing: is I think I th- I think Daniel Jones would have a large success versus the Packers defense. Uh, so they put up twenty seven points. Packers. I still say Packers. Yeah, I I, I put pa- I put Green Bay four, Minnesota five, and then Tampa Tampa six. But I'll tell you what that. That gap to between five and six is closer to the gap between four and five for me. Green Bay being the fourth most difficult team to play. Minnesota being the fifth 
most difficult team to play, and then Tampa being the easiest team. Saying Minnesota and Green Bay are closer to you than Minnesota and Tampa. I'm saying Minnesota and Tampa are closer to each other than what Green Bay would be. I think Green Bay is, a, is would be a lot tougher than those two teams. Oh, I, I disagree. I think Tampa by far the worst. Okay. They are just not a very good football team right now. I think when they put their when they actually let Tom Brady, who's the greatest quarterback of all time, I think when they actually let him operate and throw the ball and operate an offense, I think that that is a team that can be better if they want to. But they don't want to. They're cooked. Uh, Brady's They're going cooked. to the Raiders next year. <laughs> all right. Last question. Last question. I'm wearing the shirt. Mr. Brownstone, let's win some games. By far our best shirt. We got some new shirts on the store. Go check it out. Um, that link is also in our description. Y'all ready to win some playoff games? Which that's dude, that's a statement. That's not a question. Mr. Brownstone said that's a statement. Said, are you already? Are you already to win some playoff games? Who would have thought that a man in North Carolina would? Seriously, thank you, Mr. Brownstone, for winning us some games. Yeah, thank you, thank you to Mr. Brownstone. Uh, I I got I got this shirt in in. And a thank you for you. Uh, I am going into this playoff game of like, there is no other option besides winning. Like there, there I, I, I losing is not an option. I will not be like a month later. We'll talk about how this season was a success. I will, I will be livid if we lose the playoff. Game. If we play Minnesota again, they, they, they you have gotta to play win. Minnesota. I want Minnesota so badly. Yeah, there's a 91% chance, I think, that San Francisco has to beat Carolina, uh, the Cardinals. Yep. They will do that. <laughs> yep. Um, Here's the thing, though. Actually, never mind. All right, I, I don't know that off the top of my head. All right, that's an episode. We uh, we appreciate you guys. We'll be back on Friday for a preview pod. Um, last spread picks of the year, myself and Justin are tied for first place. Whoa. So it's it's literally going down to the to the end of the year with that the the tiebreaker would be playoffs. Um, Did I blow it in fantasy? Yeah, you didn't do very well, but it's, yeah, it's, it's not it's not you have two weeks to recover though, so it's not like you're you are have no chance. I think you're probably like twenty twenty some points back. All right, well it's not as bad as I thought. I took a big swing, Jelani Woods, second overall pick. Nope, didn't work. Didn't work. All right, we appreciate you guys. We'll be back on Friday. Until then. Let's go Big Blue.